And thank you for tuning in to the third episode of Code with Kingy. Just another quick reminder that if you haven't already, please be following this podcast as well as my two social media channels on Facebook and Instagram, both of which are under the handle Code with Kingy. Like I previously mentioned, there are little bits of content, sort of like visual content that I'm looking uh, to drop each week. And if you guys want to keep up with all that good stuff, you need to be following my pages. So yeah, if you haven't, please do so now or maybe after the podcast, whatever suits you. But anyway, we'll crack into the code because like always, that is what you're here for. And in round three of the 2020 Super Rugby season, we had all five teams, all five Kiwi teams feature in the round with the Blues taking on the Crusaders on Friday night, the Summers hosting the Chiefs in Tokyo Saturday afternoon. That was then followed up by the Hurricanes hosting the Sharks at the Capeton. And then finally, we had the Highlanders travelling to Canberra to take on the Brumbies. We'll start things off at Eden Park, though, where the Blues were hoping to make um, a break of their 10-match losing streak to the well-oiled machine that is the Crusaders. But to no one's surprise, that string of L's ended up at 11, as the host fell 25 points to 8. Similar to the past two rounds, the Blues started the game as the aggressive, with Patrick Tuipolotu crossing for the game's first try after... A few handy touches from standoff Stephen Pedalfetta. Uh, the first five collected his own chip and chase and forced his side inside the Crusaders 22, where Pedalfetta then found his way back to his feet, fired a long ball out to wing Mark Talia, who then you know put in a strong carry, and then sort of sending it back the other way um, through a set of hands, the ball fell into the skipper's hands, and he crossed over the chalk. Now the Crusaders would strike back with a penalty and a try, with the latter coming courtesy of a Jack party in the back, business in the front, Goodhue offload to George Hotlegs Bridge, which you could argue was almost as beautiful as the Tanifar's lid. David Havili would add three more points before the Oranges, bringing to an end a error-ridden first half for both sides. Now, replacement first five, Harry Plummer got his team on the board first out of the sheds, but he would be upstaged by his opposite in the second half with Richie Mwanga scoring and assisting in both of the Red and Black's dots in the final 40. Both tries were scored before the 60-minute mark, leaving onlookers with a final quarter of play no different to what they had endured in the first half an hour beforehand. The Blues had ample opportunities to add to their tally, but their lack of attacking now, particularly inside the 22, ended in turnover ball and cost them any chance of making the game interesting. It made for another frustrating view as you couldn't really knock the Blues for effort but there sort of comes a time when you have to say enough is enough and it's been the same old problems that are getting in the way of any success. Among the biggest red flags for the home team was at line-out time and with the goal kicking, two pivotal areas which as we've seen for the Canes can be the difference maker by the final hooter. Scott Robertson won't be mad at having punched an away win though, although his side did miss twice as many tackles as the Blues and topped them in the penalties conceded. None of that really mattered though, as they did what they do 99% of the time, which is capitalising when it matters most, which came in Goodhue and Moonga's scores. Both were among the standouts for the victors, with contributions also coming from open side Tom Christie, who again was outrageously good in the tackle count with a game-high 23, David Havili was also outstanding, throwing two wonderful offloads. Not quite as cool as Jack Goodhues, but, you know, 
an offload, um, sort of a Sunny Ball-esque is cool. And Cullen Grace, the debutante uh, in the starting role, uh, finished with three line-out steals, two turnovers, and 19 chops. Now for the Blues, number eight, Hoskins to 2-2 was back to sort of his round one form. He, w- he was good in round two, but obviously in round three, I don't know, he sort of just had a similar game to how he had opened the season, while the lively Mark Talia put in a notable shift for the boys in blue. But unfortunately for those two, rugby is a team game, and until their teammates realise this, they may be in for a few more pats on the back while dealing with the sour taste of defeat. On now to Tokyo, where the Chiefs proved too much for these sunny walls after toppling the Japanese outfit 43-17. Now despite crossing the chalk first, these soon-to-be-axed superside were outgunned by the visitors with their four first-half tries, all of which received a touch of class from Bluff's favourite son, Damian McKenzie, in the build-up. Running the exact same double block play used against the Crusaders from a line-out last week, Solomon Alaymalo would cross for the visitors' first meat pie. Winger Sean Stevenson would bag his own piece of pastry after a good set of hands from his insides, and then stand-in skipper Brad Goodbeak Weber showed why it's not about the size of the dog in the fight, but about the size of the fight in the dog, by powering his way past three would-be defenders for his team's third fiver in 12 minutes. The try of the game, though, came a few clicks after half an hour, where a strong carry from second five Alex Nankerville ended with McKenzie carrying over his sliding skills from Instagram to breach the Wolves' defence before linking with Ally Marlow to set him up in the corner for the bonus point dot. The winger was actually so impressed at his teammate's run that he gave the ball back to his fullback to give him a try when he was already over the line. The host would score before halftime off a rolling mall to give them some hope, but unfortunately for them the game was over just after they left the changing rooms when a handling error was scooped up by man of the moment Lachlan Boucher and he raced away for a treat and a Chiefs win. Sender Quintu Pyre and first five Caleb Trask got their first tries in minor colours, with the midfielder bouncing off four Wolves on his way to score and the ten falling on a ball in the end goal after shooter Stevenson gootied his way around his opposite and grubbed it on for his support. Now there's only so much you can take from games like these as the Chiefs opted to rest usual starters Sam Kane, Aaron Cruden and Anton Leonard-Brown. However, this didn't stop the show from going on per se, especially on attack, where they used an exemplary line-out and quick retention of their ruck to run in seven tries. This team so far has shown to be the right mix of grit and flair, where they are just as dangerous keeping it tight as they are pushing the ball wide. Not so different to the Crusaders, everyone seems to know their role and has the discipline not to try and do too much. They did leak a few soft tries, but that's to be expected when the score blows out and turns into a game of touch. DMF was the best player on the day though, with 11 points and 1 try assist, while starting hooker Bradley Slater, who's usually in the reserves, impressed with his 10 tackles and his line-out throwing. Brochier continued to show why he's been likened to David Pocock with another 3 turnovers, and Tupaya had his best performance of his young career with close to 60 run metres and 5 line breaks. Back to New Zealand's capital, where the Hurricanes played their first game at the Capeton in 2020, against the Travelling Sharks. The hosts were on the board first thanks to a well-hit seed from Jordy Barrett, but it was the Taurus who scored the first batch of meaningful points when centre Lucanio M intercepted a TJ Piranara pass, ran off 80 metres before dishing it to his winger Madosh Tumwe for the game's first try. Now a South African would rack up the next five points as well, only this time he was dressed in yellow and goes by the name Wes Hoosen. 
The Sharks replied almost immediately though with open side Tyler Paul burrowing over from short range, but the lead was then retaken by the Canes after a trademark cross kick from Barrett found the hands of Nani Lamapi, who instead of enforcing one of his steamrolls, gave the cover defender a Cullen-esque in and out and went on his way for another try. A penalty from replacement utility Sanelli Nohamba locked it all up before the break, making it anyone's ball game come the 41st minutes. Jason Holland was quoted after the game as saying he asked Ben Lamb, the Hurricanes winger, to get more involved, and the big man didn't let his boss down. A poor clearance from the Sharks went straight to the breadbasket of Barrett, who immediately fired it to his fellow outside. Now without hesitation, the softly spoken Auckland product pinned his ears back, split the chase like a hot knife through butter, and cantered in for his long-awaited first try of the new decade. This wouldn't be the end of his wreaking of havoc though, as he collected a rather dubious kick pass from Jackson Garden Bishop and skinned impressive fullback Afalele Fussy to record a brace in front of the Hurricanes faithful. Club legend Dane Coles came off the pine to roll in his team's last score, and from there the dub was sealed. Now I'll be the first to admit I didn't think the Fords had it in them to get up two weeks in a row against bigger packs, but boy was I wrong. To my surprise, it was they who seemed to be the ones playing bully ball, and their domination of the breakdown, especially after halftime, signified a change in the demeanour of numbers 1 through 8. As I touched on last week, Asafwa Moore and Isaiah Wokalia-Wedi have brought a physical presence to the team, and it seems to have lifted those around them. The latter was also disruptive at the opposition's line-out ball, taking it away on three occasions. Now, Isaiah, if you are listening, I apologise for chewing your ear off in El Horno on the weekend, but please know that it only came from a place of love and my love for the Hurricanes, and that I probably had consumed one too many sangrias. Anyway, Lucy's Via Fafita and Gareth Evans got their hands dirty, while props Fraser Armstrong and Tyrell Lomax anchored one of the best scrummaging performances for the home team that I can remember. Among my favourites for the Canes this year, though, has been open side Dupusi Karifi, who at only a tick over 180 centimetres has already banked 38 tackles and 7 turnovers. His hunger at the breakdown in previous weeks has found him pinged for maybe a few too many penalties, but on Saturday he was far more disciplined and just had the tahi whistle blow. As for the backs, Laomapi and Lamb were dynamic on offence, combining for 183 running metres and 5 line breaks, while Barrett was seemingly everywhere for his side and helped run the show for the growing in confidence Garden Bishop. Finally, we had the Highlanders travelling to the Australian capital to try and tame the undefeated Brumbies, where it took the visitors 83 minutes, along with some tenacity from skipper James Lynchies, to steal a 23-22 win at GIO Stadium. Second five, Josh Iwani kicked the game's first points before the Stallions hooker Falau Whainga fell over the line from a line-out drive. Ten minutes were passed before any more points were scored, but again it was the Brumbies finding the end goal from yet another rolling maul. From the ensuing kickoff, though, winger John Anareki charged down a clearance attempt to give his team five, a play that would prove pivotal by the time the 18 minutes were up. Both sides would add threes before the close of the opening stanza, and with that the weather began to pack itself in. The Highlanders kicked another three only minutes into the second, but within 60 seconds of pushing their lead to four, they found themselves down a man when winger C.O. Tomkinson connected his shoulder close to Brumby's fullback Tom Banks' head. Australian fans and reporters took to social media outraged at the centre, only receiving a yellow, 
when in their eyes it was direct contact to the head and warranted a red. The Canberra-based franchise failed to punish the Kiwis though whilst down to 14 in that 10 minutes, but would go on to score their third and complete a hat-trick for Whainga when they camped themselves inside the red zone and used a penalty kick for touch to set up another pushover from a line-out. Reserve halfback Ryan Lonergan added the extras as well as kicking a penalty with five to go to give his side a six-point buffer. The Landers did manage to get inside the Brumbies 22, only to turn it over with just over two minutes remaining. The hosts then tried to run out the clock with a series of pick-and-goes, but a timely pounce from the previously mentioned Lanchies won his side the ball back and a chance at their first win. They would earn three penalties in a row whilst five metres out, with the third seeing Brumbies lock Murray Douglas set for the rest of the game for attempting to collapse the mall. Winning their final line-out throw, replacement loose forward Tiaraki Ben Nicholas would play first receiver at the first pod of the set piece and shrug off the first tackle attempt on his way to scoring next to the six. Iwani made no mistake with the conversion after the 83 minutes and the Highlanders earned their first four points of the competition. The game was heavily dictated by the dewy conditions, making it hard for the visitors to play their typically wide game. This forced them into keeping the ball at close quarters, which would have been good for a side whose biggest work on from last week was getting go forward in the tight. Tactical kicking was also an improvement after an abysmal showing in round two, and they were also far better with protecting their own ball. Now I wouldn't say the Highlanders deserved to win this game, but to pull the rabbit out of the hat like they did showed a lot of heart, and at the end of the day, four points is four points. There were still far too many penalties given away by the Landers when they had the Brumbies under the pump, something they cannot allow to happen when they come up against better sides like their New Zealand foes. A number of last week's disappointments turned the game around on the weekend, the number one being Locke Josh Dixon, who gave those opposite to him in the line-out fits and tackled his way into a sore Sunday wake-up. Lynchies also contributed a performance befitting of a captain with 12 tackles, while all-black Shannon Frizzell got stuck in and beat a handful of defenders. Rolling into my team of the week, and for round three, I have gone for the propping partnership of Fraser Armstrong and Tyrell Lomax, off the back of their strong performance against the Sharks. At hooker, I've gone for the Moneyball Bradley Slater, while at four and five, it is the physically present Isaiah Wakaliawede and the toiler Josh Dixon. Manning the blind side of the scrum is the disruptive Cullen Grace, while on the opposite side, I've gone for the breakdown Minasupasi Karifi. And then manning the back is the big man who can seemingly do it all in Hoskins of Tutu. At halfback, I've gone for Brad the Beat Weber, who, again, is somewhat ever-present. While outside of him, I've gone for the dynamic Richie Moanga. And then outside of him, I've gone for the hissingest lid in New Zealand, which is Jack Goodhue. And then at centre is the young buck Quintupaya. A strong second half from Ben Lamb gives him the nod on the left flank, and he is then teamed up with his right wing buddy at the Hurricanes Wes Hoosen, while at the back I've given the nod for a second week in a row to the rocket boot Geordie Barrett. Now the bestest of the best of me was fullback Barrett who finished his game with 13 points, two offloads and 48 running metres. Besides the data though, the fullback has noticeably been more hands-on in his last two outings, helping to shoulder the load at first receiver on clearances and attack with first five Jackson Garden Bashup and halfback TJ Pedernada. He's also been busy on defence, performing a tri-saver for the second week in a row, and his touches with ball in hand put his teammates into space and over the line three times. 
Now there was talk in the preseason of shifting Barrett to the 10 jersey, but I think it's obvious to see now that his future is at the back. He's been mucked around in the past across the back line, and as a result his form has suffered. There's really no need to move him closer to the breakdown, as he has shown he can still have an influence on the game at 15, and to me this will only ever grow if you give him consistent game time at the one position. Finishing off my show as always with my shower thought for the week, and for this episode, this peeve of mine has been influenced by the Brumbies Highlanders game to which we saw three tries come from a rolling mall. Now I've never been a fan of this tactic because when you think about it it contradicts the rules of obstruction. Like, like how is it that you're allowed to form a wall of blockers in one fashion from you know a dead ball with a line out throw but you're not allowed to run around with your own teammate in front of you obstructing defenders from getting to you because I mean they're basically the same thing. But yeah, anyway, it's a law which still confuses me, and with that I wonder how much different the game would be if it was taken out. I mean, there would still be the need for tall timber, because, you know, the taller your jumpers are, the better it is for your lineout, and teams are still having to stand 10 metres back from the lineout, so the only difference would be obstruction as a whole would be a punishable offence. But yeah, like, as always though, these are just my thoughts, and I'd love to get to know what you guys think, so if you have no patience and aren't willing to wait till Thursday when I chuck up the shower thought on Facebook and Instagram, please just, you know, flick me a message and we can have a bit of a yarn about it. Anyway, that's a wrap for this week's episode, and I hope you've taken something out of it. Enjoy the rest of your week, and make sure to be back here on Monday, or maybe Tuesday, depending on how my life's going, uh, Yeah, to get your next fix of slightly above average footy chat. Hi there. Ah.